Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on today's program, a lot to talk about, and a lot of it focuses on school and education. Uh, a lot of strange things going on in education today, and then, of course, a horrible tragedy at a school yesterday. So we're going to talk about those things and a few other topics as well. A lot to get to, and we're happy to uh, have you along with us here on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live 101.3 KPCG. We're online also at kpcg.fm and I have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. Lots of ways to get to uh, the programming. And of course, uh, if you uh, don't listen live and you like to listen to the podcast, you can find those at kpcg.fm, SoundCloud, and also uh, iTunes. Lots of ways to get to those podcasts as well. I'm Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here today. Quite a day yesterday. Of course, all the headlines today are about this school shooting, another uh, unspeakable tragedy at a U.S. school, leave 17 dead in Florida. I was uh, working yesterday, as many of us were, and uh, uh, being uh, here at the radio station, I always keep my eyeballs on the news and what's happening, and lo and behold, they have the breaking news, and went on and did a, a live update about it just as it was kind of happening. But, uh, you know, of course, at that time, you don't know exactly the details. The numbers jump around. At the time it happened, it was still an active shooter. Like, they didn't know where the guy was and everything, so... Uh, sometimes the numbers aren't quite as dramatic, but this was a massive uh, tragedy. 17 killed at that school. Right. I didn't even find out about it till like 8 o'clock last night. I hadn't checked the internet in a while, and I was watching a basketball game, and the guy just randomly brought it up, and I just couldn't believe that I had missed out on something that big just from uh, not checking the internet for like four or five hours. Yeah, things uh, things break quickly, and then... It was interesting, too, because even some of the the main information, at least early on, was coming from students inside the school because they had phones, cell phones. And uh, there's videos out there. Some people were, they videoed kind of from their position, I guess, sort of under their desk as the shooting was happening. And you, you, I don't know how close it was, but you can hear the, the gunfire. And, um, you know, they, they have those videos up on a lot of websites today, news sites, and they always put up a uh, warning, and they say, you know, warning graphic content. Uh and so, and sometimes I, if if it's a news story and I happen to see that it's actually not all that graphic, I don't think. But in this case, it sort of was only just because uh, you get a sense of the fear, you know, how fearful that would be for those students involved. So, really horrible situation. Uh, the gunman unleashed horror at its former high school in South Florida on Wednesday. Authorities said this is from CNN, slaughtering at least 17 unsuspecting students and adults and leaving the country asking why another school massacre has happened yet again. There's some in hospitals still, and I don't know the details, you know, if, if that number will go up or down. But in any event, 17 dead right now. The suspect, Nicholas Cruz, 19, gunned down victims with a rifle at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland shortly before 3 p.m. after he allegedly activated a fire alarm, sending people outside, unaware of what was to come. So he had it all planned out. And uh, they had had a fire drill earlier in the day as well. So they thought, huh, that's weird, two fire drills, but okay. They didn't really question it, and he let him right out and then shot at him. Well, that's uh, I guess that's a pretty 
smart plan of attack. People were already just thinking it was another drill because it had already happened that day. So um, he, I don't even know if he knew that much about it, but it, it did, that is pretty convenient for his cause there. He was, yeah, he wasn't attending the school. I mean, he was suspended or expelled, I guess. <clears throat> 19, he was working uh, down the road. I think it was at a Dollar General uh, store, and more details are coming out about him. He had a kind of a tough go of things. He's He's been a, a, a problem person for a while. And um, it, uh, there was an adoption involved, and then uh, his uh, mother that was looking after him died recently. So he's he's had interesting situations going on, and and, and anyway, it ends up this, like this. And then of course they uh, they check his social media accounts right away, and lots of disturbing images, and lots of lots of things going on there. So they're putting the pieces together. Uh, we have uh, some audio here of this is a reaction of some of the students um, just talking to different media outlets, Associated Press in this case. Uh, about uh, some of their experiences with that uh, school shooting yesterday. I was um, across the campus, like here was the shooting, and I was over here, let's say. After that, I heard people say that there was a, like there were shots fired, and I didn't believe them because like like it's a big school, like things change like like from person to person. So um, I didn't believe that, and then other people said that it was just people banging on the lockers. And I was like, oh, okay, then it must not be. But then my friend called me, and she said, it's a shooting. Run. I was, like, in the building right in front of the shooter, like, right where he pulled up a fire alarm. And um, me and my friends were going downstairs because we thought it was a fire alarm. And um, he was loading up the gun, and we all go upstairs to the third floor. And, like, everyone get into a classroom, and we hear bullets coming closer and closer to us. And then we just hear kids screaming. I was in the classroom and all I heard was the gunshots. And then when we went outside and the police cleared us for us to go outside, I see dead people, dead bodies on the floor. I thought it was a drill. Um, we locked the door, we turned off the lights, and then we waited till the police said it was clear for us to leave. So the dude pulled the fire drill. We went outside. Boom, 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 boom. We heard a gunshot. I thought it was firecrackers, but after I heard the last shot, I was like, oh, no, I'm out. I, I ran back to my classroom. Um... Told my teacher, I think that's a shooting. I think we should go in the back and hide. And it was a real shooting because my teacher got a, a text from the school saying it was a, it's an actual shooting. It's just like worried about us getting shot. So I just told people like, can y'all like not move around so we don't get killed or like move, make any noises because you know I'm not trying to die. Did you so, see the shooter? No, I did not see the shooter. Did you see anyone who was shot? Nope. I saw bodies when I left though. Like four. What did you see? Uh, bullets in their heads. A uh, lot of stuff. Uh, white sheets over their body. Stuff like that. Yeah, right. It was just a normal day. So then we just thought it was a drill. I was just hiding under a desk because my teacher's like, it was a code red. So I was hiding under a desk. And like, then I just started hurting. Sh uh, I started hearing shots. Mm. I wasn't sure if it was a drill. And then I started hearing sirens. So I started like questioning like whether this was a drill or not. So I got really scared, you know. I mean, I always see him like last year. I like see him walk around. He was like shy, like with his lunch bag, but like he wouldn't talk a lot. What was your take on it? I mean, he was like that weird kid at school that you see like walk around the school. Describe as a loner. Yeah, like a loner. You feel like it's a normal day at school, like you don't expect this, and like someone like could come in and bring like a gun and shoot up the school. Until, like, you realize it, like, you just, like, you never, you, like, start texting your, like, your family, like, I love you. Because you never know, like, if you get a shot or killed right there and then. 
So those are some of the comments from uh, some of the students that were there at the school. And, of course, uh, uh, we, we talked a while ago, Grant, about how just people that have been affected by school shootings, you know, it, it stays with them for a very long time, maybe always, I guess. And, uh, you know, they've a lot of times teachers have a hard time going back to those schools. Students have a lot of difficulty, you know, down the road. And it's hard. It's hard to gauge what how this will affect people immediately. You know, if you didn't get shot, you feel like, well, okay, but it affects it affects you mentally down the road. And so just a really terrible thing. I was, you know, I knew this was going on yesterday and I went home and uh, a little while later, the local school bus came by and dropped all the kids off, you know, normally like they do. And I just thought, you know, as a parent, <laughs> you just you just don't know. You don't know. And that's the world we live in. That's so true. And just listening to those uh, students there, I thought they did seem pretty composed for now. Uh, that's usually probably how they will react at the, at the start. Uh, but then once it sets in and they realize the reality of it and what they just went through, that probably the trauma lasts for the rest of their lives. Oh, I would think so. I mean, we were talking a little earlier about the videos, you know, where the the, sh- the students that were there, the, some of them recorded it on their phone, and you don't really see necessarily the shooting, but you can hear the audio of of it happening outside the classroom and uh, horrifying. And then also there was video of when the SWAT team came in because they have to come in and break down the doors because under a code red in those schools you're supposed to lock the doors. So SWAT team's got to break the door down and come in, and you've got the SWAT team coming in. They don't know probably who the shooter is or if there's just one. Like, you don't know. And the students are terrified. It was a really haunting image because the video showed, it was from the back of the classroom, showed the SWAT team coming in. They've got their lights shining at you and their weapons, and they're saying, you know, SWAT, 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 or whatever. They're saying police, something like that. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. And everybody puts their hands up, and you can see the kids' hands up, and they're shaking because of how just terrified they are. Uh, you know, to, to see it from inside the school like that was really horrifying. Yeah, and and just how uh, this guy apparently, as everyone ran out, he just blended in with them. I mean, really, he must have been planning this out for quite a while. And it's pretty impressive that the the SWAT team and the law enforcement agencies were able to actually track him down a little bit later in the day because he, he just blended right in. Obviously, they must have had some other tips or some, some security footage or something like that because uh, he... He pretty well knew what he was doing. He had planned this out for a while to be able to uh, blend in with the crowd and leave like that. Yeah, they had a description of him. They found him, I guess it was an hour or so later in the neighborhood. But it's interesting when you look at the numbers here, 17 killed. Uh, We think back to, I think, Columbine as being sort of that watershed moment when this school violence really burst on the scene. And uh, 13 people were killed at Columbine. Uh, Because I was thinking this morning, I'm like, well, how many actually got killed at Columbine? It was 13. And, of course, that that uh, made huge, huge news, and they, they always remember that one in particular. But there's been quite a few since, and this one's even even bigger. As a matter of fact, this Parkland shooting is now among the 10 deadliest mass shootings in modern U.S. history. So it's amazing how those uh, lists keep growing, and a lot of them have been in the last year or so. Yeah, that's right. And the, the one in Columbine uh, obviously stands out because it was sort of the first one, but also— uh, probably it was just so unexpected at the time, and there weren't security measures put in place in any way, really, at that time to try to counteract something like this. And so it, it probably lasted a lot longer than it would if it had happened today, where police are going to be on the scene in, in mere minutes today. Back then, probably they weren't expecting something like that at all. 
And that one could have been worse because they had plans for more. And it, yeah. thankfully it wasn't worse, but still horrible. And So horrible situations there. Um, the 10 deadliest shootings, mass shootings in U.S. history. The number one is uh, that Harvest Music Festival. 58 were killed. That was October 1st in 2017. That wasn't that long ago. Then the Pulse Nightclub, 49 killed. That was June 12, 2016. Virginia Tech, 32 killed. There's a Kia David program about that specific one that you should check out if you're looking at these topics today. Of course, there's a lot of chatter about uh, what to do, what not to do, who's to blame, but we need to get God's perspective on those things, so check out those Kia Davids and those write-ups. Sandy Hook, 27 killed. That was uh, 2012. And then the First Baptist Church in uh, Sutherland Springs, 26 killed. That was just November 5th. So quite a few of these have been very recently here just in the last year or two. Right. I mean, they've they've really been taking place pretty much every month recently, uh, so much to the point where we're almost just expecting one to come. And hopefully people are getting desensitized by it because it is happening so much. Yeah, just unbelievable. And, of course, so there's a lot of back and forth about uh, what to do about it and um, how to solve the problem. And, of course, uh, talk about guns a fair bit because I think it was an AR-15, if I've got that correct. That was used, and uh, so there's a lot of talk about that. Um, CNN's got a couple of op-eds that they put up right away and um, talking about some plans or what they should do or what they think should be done. And So I was kind of perusing some of that and uh, looked at the comments section. And, uh, you know, CNN's a pretty liberal uh, outlet. And the comments were really, really pretty shocking. Uh, just the absolute hatred towards, in particular, Republicans. I mean, just some vile comments, and quite frankly, just some actual threats. Uh, do I thought, well, I mean, can you, can you say those things? So whenever this situation happens, it's a tragedy, but then there's a lot of hatred between different ideologies in this country, and I think that's, um, <laughs> you would think after a, an occurrence of violence, you know, people might want to just simmer down on some of that, but the rhetoric is some of the most uh, vicious I've seen. And we have seen events recently that have actually been provoked, uh, violent events provoked by people talking like that, especially people high up in positions of power in the country and in the media. We have to be careful about the way we respond to events like this. It seems like immediately, it's almost like CNN had articles planned ahead of time for whenever the next shooting took place, because how do they get them up there that quickly? I mean, it's just... Obviously, they have an agenda to push, and they're they're really determined to show people that guns are the problem here. When it's pretty easy to kill people with hundreds of different items, if you so choose. They're they're trying to find a solution to it, but um, not having success so far. And of course, you know they they do talk about having different laws in place. And but the thing is, the people that are are going to perpetrate these acts break the laws. That's the thing where that gets a little bit strange. I mean, I believe this school is, a, like most schools, is a gun-free zone. I mean, it's not legal to have a weapon there. Well, the a person that's going to perpetrate that act doesn't care about the rules because there's a lot of comments about, well, you should make it harder to get guns and so forth. And uh, uh, But the criminals don't get guns the legal way, <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know every situation, but, I mean, that's the thing that's always so interesting about this. There are laws on the books but people just don't obey them and then, then they commit crimes. Well, you mentioned the gun-free zone. What do those students have to resort to doing? They have to cower underneath a desk and hope that the guy doesn't come into their room. There, there is some thought about 
the security having access to those things like the official security guards and things so i don't know but uh there was a really good story uh, well it's a tragedy but it's a heroic deed uh one of the the assistant coaches i believe a football team there at that school saved some children and he, he ended up being killed because of it so he was a real hero there and stepped in front and uh so there's all there is always some some just really amazing acts of uh bravery in these types of situations but again it's just uh it's, it's a bad bad situation obviously feel for everybody involved there very much and and uh you know it's everybody that has kids you you know you think about your kids of course because um these things can happen so uh that's the world we're living in and and now it becomes more of the political back and forth so we'll see what happens it didn't take long for it to get politicized and you're going to hear a lot about that over the next few days i'm sure yeah there's really just so much hatred that is boiling over i mean it's it's not even just brewing anymore it's just out there in the open uh, mere minutes after something like this happens people are already resorting to death threats against those who disagree with them politically and they're saying that oh it's the it's the fault of the national rifle association and the republican party how did they go and shoot people is it really a problem with the guns or is it a problem with uh, people having severe mental problems. Yeah, it's talked a lot about in the Trump Daily Show in that aspect in particular, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, we do live in a just obviously a horribly violent world, and uh, some things get highlighted more than others. But this is kind of not made headlines, but it, I saw it today, and I, I mean, it's just more of the same from Iran. This is from the Associated Press. Iran calls for the annihilation of Israel. Uh, they do this regularly. Um, says a top Iranian general on Thursday lashed out at Israel during a commemoration for a Hezbollah figure killed in a 2008 Damascus car bombing that the group blamed on Israel. So this is, uh, what, we're talking 10 years ago. Qassam Soleimani, head of Iran's Quds Force, pledged retaliation for the death of this Hezbollah uh, military chief who was considered one of the world's most wanted terrorists by Israel and the United States. Soleimani says the appropriate revenge for the, this uh, Hamas leader's slaying is, quote, not launching one missile or killing one person, but the dismantling and uprooting of the baby-killing Zionist regime. Iranian leaders have long called for the destruction of Israel. In 2015, Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei said Israel would become extinct in 25 years. Iran does not recognize Israel and supports anti-Israel militant groups such as the Palestinian Hamas and the Lebanese Hezbollah group. So here, I mean, we are uh, very upset in this nation about this uh, school shooting yesterday, and rightfully so. But then you have one nation saying they want to absolutely annihilate another one, and yet people sort of say, oh, well, that's what Iran does. <laughs> I mean, come on now. That, that's ridiculous. Oh, it sure is. And and keep in mind, they are still mourning the death of a terrorist who was killed 10 years ago. So this happened 10 years ago. Uh, and it, it seems like this is one of the best examples they have to point to. How many examples, if Israel got the chance, could they point to of all of the terrorists Iran is constantly funding to shoot rockets into Israel, to carry out knife attacks, to drive bulldozers into shops? I mean, it's it's pretty obvious uh, who should be upset here. It should not be Israel for defending itself and, and possibly killing this terrorist in self-defense. It should be Israel because their nation is constantly under siege. Their innocent civilians are being massacred. It's not it's not like their their top military officials are being killed here. It's civilians who have nothing to do with it. Yeah, if you look into some of the 
stories of what has happened to some of the Israeli citizens over the last few years, some terror attacks. I mean, they are gruesome. They are horrible. Um, they use all sorts of weaponry with knives, anything they can get their hands on. And, um, you know, where is the outcry globally for that, to stop that? You know, why would we ever work with uh, the Iranian regime on any level? Why would the past administration do that? They're, they're saying it over and over again. And this isn't just some some guy in Iran that likes to send out, you know, uh, tweets on some little, you know, account or something. Yeah. This is one of their main leaders. He's a leader of the Quds Force, and he's saying we want to annihilate Israel and destroy them completely, uproot them. Um, is anyone going to pay attention to that and believe them and, and take steps to stop that? And he called it a baby-killing Zionist regime. I mean, let's let's just compare body counts for a minute. I mean, is it even close? Iran is the number one state sponsor of terror in the entire world. They are killing people uh, within their own nation if they ever decide to protest the authoritarian government. They're killing people in Israel through their terrorist proxies. They're constantly funding terrorism all over the world. They're even helping uh, North Korea and, and vice versa, it seems like. Uh, they're, they're involved with Russia and Syria, some of the, the worst uh, enemy nations of America in the whole world. Uh, if you if you added up all the different people they have killed, it's not even close. How are they in the how in the world are they calling someone else a baby killing regime? Yeah, it's outrageous, and it just doesn't get a lot of attention. And, and they pass out yeah. candy when they kill Israelis. So I mean, it, it's not even close. Who who loves murder and death more? Yeah, it's outrageous. But that's uh, what they said, and they just just said it today. They're in Iran. Um, here's a story. This is a, a health note that I think is just worth mentioning. Uh, it's from the Daily Mail today. And, uh, of course, one of the big problems we have just health-wise, in, especially in the West, is cancer. It says processed foods are driving up rates of cancer. A major study reveals the health threat, including cereal, energy bars, sausages, and chocolate. Eating processed food significantly raises the risk of cancer, experts uh, have said. The disease is claiming more lives because of the popularity of ready meals, sugary cereals, and fizzy drinks are also dangerous. The wide-ranging study found families are told to heed the warning and read food labels more carefully. So they have a a, a chart here with some of the foods on there. Fizzy drinks, uh, chocolate, um, any sort of, you know... uh, prepackaged stuff you get from the store, breakfast cereal, margarine, energy drinks. It's not like you have it one time, you're going to get cancer necessarily, but uh, if people are consuming this fairly often, the cancer risk is going up uh, quite a bit. And the paradox there is that the the uh, processed foods are more addictive too. So even even when people know that there might be some dangers there, it's harder to stop eating those than it is to stop eating like carrots and lettuce. Those are those those things obviously uh, would be better for us, but they're not as delicious. So it's harder to uh, choose a better alternative sometimes. It's interesting too. The uh, just I was watching uh, the Olympics the other night, and I've noticed this one particular commercial they keep putting on there. It's for uh, a soft drink, and uh, I, I think they've given up on any sort of thought that maybe we can convince the public that there's this is good for you because it's not. Uh, well, it's, just, it's Diet Coke. I don't think that's going to floor anybody. <laughs> um, and so, you know, so for a while, I don't know that they ever said it was good for you, but they would just try to show that it was, like, fun or people were doing it and doing fun things. And the new commercial is, is there's a couple of them, but there's this guy in one of them, and he's like, look, uh, I drink Diet Coke because, you know, 
I like it because I want to. And I, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what I do. And this is what I like to do. I'm, I'm going to drink it because I can. And I think that was like the tagline, because you can or something like that. And I just thought, wow, they're just throwing out any sort of false premise here. It's just like, you know what? You like it? Eh, drink it. <laughs> and that's really what it comes down to. And I'm not trying to jump on people that, that drink that or whatever. I mean, everybody's got their thing, I guess, <laughs> that we might want to think about. But uh, the the studies are showing that consuming these things over and over and over again, just because of the chemicals and it being processed, our bodies can't handle it. And we end up with diseases, cancer in this case. At least Diet Coke is trying to uh, be, I guess, a little bit more straightforward and honest about their product. And uh, it, it does always come down to just people's individual self-discipline. We know pretty well at this point, and only more and more studies are going to point this out, that certain things are not good for us to be consuming constantly. And like you said, it might, it's not going to kill you if you have it once in a while, but the the idea is certain people will get addicted to it and become consistent regular customers that's when uh that's when the companies really profit the most is if people are buying them all the time and those are the people who are most at risk tom brady got into a little bit of a thing with the patriots quarterback he's quite famous for football and for his nutrition and uh, he he's i think he said something to the effect that coke was poison for children <laughs> or soda and they they had a rebuttal for him, and so they got into it. And I think they actually said something to the effect of, well, it's fine if it's part of your balanced diet. Um, you know, in other words, like if everything else you ate was healthy and you have it once in a while, that's maybe it wouldn't be the end of the world. But <laughs> that's usually not the case. People are consuming a fair bit of these things. And, and two, I think what, what can kind of uh, sneak up on people if they're not thinking about it is there's things that, are, that you may not think have a lot of processing or you may not think it has a lot of sugar, but it does. But you you just, you know, you're like, well, I know that's, say, candy. I know there's a lot of sugar in there. But this this is a pre-made breakfast burrito, you know, but it might have a bunch of stuff in it, too. It just So you really do, like they say, you have to pay attention to what's going into these things. And then uh, if you care to learn a little bit more about it, too, like, well, what, what does that chemical do to my body? And it's never good news. <laughs> no. And usually it's a matter of convenience that people even get into these things in the first place. You know, if you're, I don't know, if you're on a road trip, you want to get something quickly, or uh, you have to work long hours usually, so you don't want to necessarily spend a lot of time preparing meals at home. That's usually how people get into these things. And then the problem is possible addiction. Hopefully it doesn't get that far. Uh, but that just does underscore that we have to have the right types of habits in place to make sure that we are preparing our own meals generally from healthy ingredients so that we can avoid getting into these more processed foods. Yeah, that's I think really probably the the best rule is is if you can eat at home more and you make your own things, and then you have a better idea of what's going into it. So, interesting new study there. Make sure you stop and check out the trumpet.com today top story by Andrew Miller, did God create evolution? There's getting to be this mix now between evolutionists and I guess you call them creationists to where they're sorry they're trying to come together I guess it says now more and more people including the Pope say you can believe both creation and evolution I guess the Pope said God is not a magician but the creator who brought everything to life uh, he said evolution is uh, in nature is not inconsistent with the notion of creation 
because evolution requires a creation of beings that evolve. He said that October 27th, or yeah, 2014. <laughs> so in other words, the Pope is saying God creates new species by using evolution. So anyway, you have to read that right up. But that's, uh, that's interesting. They're trying to blend those two uh, thoughts together. Well, that's like what he said here. Evolution requires the creation of beings that evolve. Where's the proof that anything has ever evolved in any way? And Andrew Miller points out here that things do decay. Physical beings do eventually decay. I mean, if you want to call that evolving, it's not it's not like we ever get uh, become better versions of ourselves later on in life. It's just that we get closer to death as we go on. That's what happens. Um, it, evolution is supposed to say that, uh, well, as time goes on, survival of the fittest, we're going to somehow breed the right way to where uh, we develop new traits out of out of nowhere. They're not in our gene pool in any way, but somehow they just pop up. None of that makes any sense. None of that fits in with any of the scientific laws. Uh, but people are so desperate to believe in the existence of a creation, generally without a creator. Uh, and those who think that God used evolution, like Andrew Miller says, they're just trying to reconcile what they hear from modern science with what the Bible teaches, when in reality... The Bible and science don't have to be at war with each other at all. Yeah, it's it's like the uh, there's this sort of desire to be religious yet not adhere to what the Bible says. You, you know, so for example, you can look at the societal changes where the family is being destroyed or being redefined or whatever, and that doesn't square with the Bible. That's exactly against what the Bible teaches, but. If they can say to themselves, well, you know how it is, uh, we're, we're evolving, we're changing, then then it seems like, well, maybe somehow that could make sense, where you could still adhere to some sort of quote-unquote religious belief and yet go along with society's you know perversions. Uh, but those two things just don't square. But I think that, that could be a big part of why they're trying to push the two together. Um, and certainly, I imagine somebody like the Pope, he doesn't want to lose followers, so he's <laughs> maybe trying to bridge the gap there. I think a lot of... Uh, so-called Christians are just afraid of being accused of dwelling in the dark ages. They don't want to be seen as being willfully ignorant to what science says is a fact. Uh, so they try to reach across the table and get a little, little closer to what science says, which is today anti-God in every way, yet they're still trying to compromise. You can't, as a Christian, compromise with evolution because that is, uh, it's a, it's a hypothesis that ridicules the idea that God could even exist. Science never compromises and, and tries to get closer to religion in any way. It's all, it's all one-sided religion trying to compromise with godless, lawless science. That's a great point. Yeah, they don't, they don't ever go the other way with it. <laughs> yeah, it is really interesting. Uh, I mean, God does talk in his word about us as humans uh, needing to improve, needing to grow, needing to take on his mind and the mind of Christ and change in that way. But that's that's not evolution. That's that's fulfilling our potential. That's growing into what we should become, not morphing into some sort of new bizarre species. And that's all on the spiritual plane, which science completely rejects. Science doesn't believe that there's anything outside the physical realm that you can sense with the five senses. So how do you how do you reconcile anything that the Bible says with with science when they they refuse to even believe that there is a higher power? Yeah. But even they would have to, you know, if they're really looking at science, you do have to admit, well, it had to come from somewhere, you know, even the, even their their false idea of the Big Bang 
well, where did that come from? <laughs> it, it always gets back to that question. Yeah, but who did that? Well, it just it just happened. You know, well, that's okay. But it's always funny when people say that, and they're uh, saying it like an expert, and you, you think, well, how, how old are you, like 45? <laughs> but you know what happened at the beginning of it all? You were there somehow. So, how, <laughs> you were an eyewitness to this event? Because guess what God says to Job? He says, well, where were you when I did all these things? And Job, of course, is like, well, that's a great point. <laughs> so, <laughs> But that's what you, I always think when I see somebody that's a real expert, quote, unquote, uh, well, how old are you? Are you you 10 billion years old? You were here to see it all? Because you're telling me something and expecting me to believe it. You weren't there. I wasn't there. <laughs> but I'm supposed to believe you. Right. They they think that their own intellect is superior to anyone who's ever lived. There's a, there's a high level of arrogance there. And yet their own law of biogenesis says that life has to come from life. They can explain it all the way back, they think, to the, the tiniest particle from which the Big Bang erupted and then cause the entire universe to to exist but something had to create that tiny particle in the first place and once you point that out they resort to personal attack they get extremely vehement about how they're right and you just don't have the expertise to counter what they're saying yeah that's amazing we've never seen anything like that in in anything in life can you imagine that a tiny little thing and it blows up and you've got this massive I mean, <laughs> I'd be I'd be really cautious around tiny particles. Well, well one person <laughs> quoted in this article actually said, "What if um, an encyclopedia actually resulted from the printing factory exploding? How yeah. is that possible? Is there any way that an, an actual functional book would come from something like that? And yet we think everything in existence in the entire universe, especially like the miracle of the human mind and body, came from basically an explosion." Yeah, and when you do put it into terms of something smaller that we see every day, yeah, go to your local news station and tell them, hey, uh, I had an explosion at my house, and all my books blew up, and I came out with a full set of Encyclopedia Britannicas. <laughs> and I, it started with Hardy Boys books. It was amazing how it happened. <laughs> do you think anyone would believe you? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my metaphor for evolution. Yeah. So if you don't believe that, then how dare you? Yeah, that would be funny to say, yeah, I have a great point about that, and then bring up that example <laughs> and see, see how many people would get on board with it. I guess it would be more realistic if you could say it happened 10 billion years ago. Because mm-hmm. then they'll be like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, sounds good. I guess uh, we weren't there. so <laughs> We weren't there. Uh, make sure you listen for the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today coming up with your host, Stephen Flurry. Great, great program today. Talks a lot about the Florida school shooting. And uh, what role does a spirit world play in, in horrible and senseless acts of violence? Is there a spirit world? I mean, you're going to hear a little bit about mental health. But even that's under attack now to some extent where uh, because the main focus is on the gun control. And so they're saying, ah, you know, enough of that mental health talk. But... Uh, what about it? Is there a spirit world out there? Does it influence people to do horrible things, the the evil spirit world, Satan and his demons? Does that exist? Are we going to hear anything about that today? The Bible talks about it. Christ talked about it. Christ dealt with it when he was on this earth 2,000 years ago. He cast demons out regularly. Uh, do people follow Jesus? I mean, it, it's an interesting question. Yeah, and, and Key of David presenter Gerald Flurry actually gave a, program about this a couple months ago it's titled mass shooting in texas and it's pretty clear what he's alluding to here in this quote he says but again we do have to ask the difficult question do we really 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 want to know why do we want to know why that mass shooting happened in sutherland springs texas and many other places in america where we saw so much bloodshed it just keeps happening 
and more frequently and more massively than it has in the past. And he's what he's saying there is there's no physical explanation for it. There's no way you can look at how it's only increasing and getting worse and worse and worse and and then just say, well, it's because of guns. I mean, the guns haven't changed so much that we have to have a mass shooting basically every month recently. Well, look at what the people are saying now after the fact of this shooting. What what are the students saying? Oh, we knew it would be him. Yeah, we knew it would be that guy. They all say that. Oh, yeah, he he was the one that we always thought would do it. Why? Why did you think he would do it? Because of the way he acted, because there was something, quote-unquote, off. What is that? You know, they'll say that, but then you bring up something about the spirit realm. People think it's silly. But how did you know? Like, what made you think this person would do something like that? I mean, not that you can always tell, but in this case, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, this guy. Well, how did they know that? Well, what stable, happy person has ever committed a mass shooting? I mean, it is a it is an issue of different types of people, and certain people, if they're darker, if they're more closed to themselves, and if they... You know, if they have depression or some kind of insanity going on in their minds, those are the ones who are going to commit a shooting. It's not people who live their normal lives and are actually a light to the people around them. There's no way they would ever shoot uh, shoot up a school like that. And in other Key of David programs, Mr. Flurry has said that these people say they hear voices. They say that after the fact, they didn't feel like they were in control of what they were doing. That doesn't that doesn't sound like it's only a physical problem. Uh, there has to be a spirit element directing them or controlling them to do those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, a great scripture to think about is uh, Mark seven twenty one. Christ said, "For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders." You not you don't hear a lot about that in these discussions. Where where does murder come from? It comes from inside people. It comes from wrong thinking. It comes out of the heart, the mind when it's going the wrong direction. And I thought of that scripture when I was reading the comments that people were posting about it on some of these uh, different websites about how they, they want to go after, you know, the other side of the political aisle and the hatred and the, the anger, you know, Christ said, if you hate somebody without cause, uh, you're guilty of murder. So what's the difference (laughs) in some ways what's coming out of the heart? That's what people should be paying attention to. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty disturbing to, to read comments like that and to just see that, their hatred really isn't that far removed from the type of hatred that would allow someone to shoot up a school. They might not be quite unhinged enough yet to actually carry it out themselves, but their hatred is enough that they don't want those people they disagree with to even be alive or to exist. Uh, There's a pretty deep problem with that. And again, the hatred, like that scripture says, it comes out of the hearts of men it doesn't come from the tip of the gun it doesn't come from a knife it doesn't come from a car doesn't come from a bulldozer it doesn't come from a bomb humans made every single one of those things and they use those things in the wrong way in these cases there's also a right use of most of those things too uh it's just a matter of which person is in charge of those devices it also uh reminds me of ezekiel 7 and ezekiel's an end time book and it's talking about how the land is full of bloody crimes is that not true of what's taking place right now more than ever before? Yeah, make a chain, right? Blood touches blood. It yeah. just keeps going and going and going. We've had, what, the, the top mass shootings here. We talked about earlier, a lot of them within the last year or two. And so people are, are concerned, as they should be, and they're, they're saying, what are we going to do about this? Well, wh- what about the sins in this land? What about the sins? 
I mean, is there anything that needs to be changed as far as the thinking of man and what goes on in the, the hearts of men? You know, that's the thing. So when people when people talk now uh, after the fact about this most recent shooter and say, yeah, well, we thought he would do that. Well, it's because they had some indication of what was in his heart. Right. Not that you could know totally, of course, and you can't you can't know those things totally. But there were some signs that there was some hatred. There was some evil in the heart. And uh, so anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, they didn't they didn't check out his extensive gun collection and think he was going to do it. They, they just knew him because of the type of person right. he was, what was in his mind. You could tell by the way people act sometimes what's in their mind. And that's what is at the root of all these things. And even deeper than that is just the spiritual world that is influencing it. Yep. There's a lot of great information about that on the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today with your host, Stephen Flurry. So it's a, one of those we can't miss. It's a can't miss. So make sure you check it out. Uh, we want to spend the rest of today talking about uh, education in uh, the United States in particular. Uh, there's a write-up we want to get to here in just a minute from uh, thetrumpet.com on uh, Training Tomorrow's Social Justice Warriors. This came out yesterday. It's by Joel Hilliker, a really insightful piece. But to lead into that, uh, Grant, you've got a write-up here from townhall.com talking about some of the education going on today. It says, what left-wing educators don't teach during Black History Month? So they get into some of the different things that the teachers don't bother to get into during Black History Month. <laughs> yes, and uh, Larry Elder is a black man himself who thinks that Black History Month should be history. It should be done away with because it's bizarre that one race should get an entire month of, uh, I guess, exaltation above other races. There's no other, I guess, entire month reserved for other people. Uh, and then he also says, what are they actually teaching students? What are these left-wing educators teaching students during black history month especially he says about slavery do our mostly left-wing educators teach that slavery was not unique to america and is as old as humankind uh he quotes thomas sowell who points out that uh, white people were actually brought as slaves to north africa at the same time as blacks were being brought to the United States as slaves. And there have been plenty of times throughout history where people of all races have been slaves. It's not just a, a uniquely United States of America crime. The difference in the United States is that it was stopped. <laughs> right. Without, without a, another, a foreign power coming in and overthrowing. I mean, that's one. That's something that's not talked about enough. Uh, when I was going to school, I I don't know that we that they focused so much on that. I don't remember anything about it in school. So, uh, and I, I don't pay a lot of attention to all the ins and outs of what's being taught. You know, I guess I'm not in the classroom with that. But the only thing that I see when the headlines pop up, whether it's in relation to say Black History Month or something like that, is division. I just it's just divisive. It seems like it's always sort of uh, dividing people and causing more and more problems. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a lot of. Maybe there's some positive there. I don't know. But I, I've seen a lot of division for sure. Right. I mean, it's not it's not usually just about the achievements of the black race. It's also saying this is what we did in spite of the whites who are trying to hold us down. And 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 people say that, well, maybe Black History Month is unfair, too, because it's it's in February, the shortest month of the entire year. Yeah. But no other no other race has an entire month uh, to be exalted like that. It's just. That's racism in itself, if if you want to look at it that way. So why why is there even a complaint? Yeah, I mean, if if the ultimate goal is equality, then it, you should just teach U.S. history yeah. for the year 
other semester and it doesn't really matter what race you are if you had a part in the history that's worth looking at take a look at it mm-hmm. and don't draw attention so much to the all these things they keep talking about equality but they all they want to do is draw attention to the differences in people <laughs> and then it just divides everybody right it, and it's almost like the one thing that makes makes all these people the same is the color of a person's skin when people of all races achieve great things because of again what's in their mind and what their goals are it has nothing to do with skin color and yet that's what we're so obsessed with yeah you can look you can look from the front of the bible to the back of it and it talks about what's important what is christ looking at what is god looking at it's it's the heart it's the character of an individual um you know it says that god's not a respecter of persons he's a respecter of righteousness it's about the thoughts, the intent, the actions that come from that, that's what we're all judged by. It has nothing to do with anything beyond that. Everything else is just uh, Satan trying to point out differences. Hey, you're, you're a little different than that person. Maybe you guys should, uh, you know, not like each other. Where, <laughs> where does that come from? That comes from Satan. God doesn't talk anything about that. He talks about what's going on in our hearts and our minds and then what we do with that. Yeah, and that idea of dividing people into different groups and then turning those groups against each other is straight out of the communist playbook. And we've heard many quotes from Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong, Mr. Gerald Flurry about just how communism's one main goal is to tear down the United States of America. We're seeing that as a common practice in the Democratic Party and the radical left. They only focus on race, gender, sexual orientation, and class. It's all about... Well, these groups are our victim groups, and there's other groups that are actually oppressing them. And that's what we need to focus on constantly, get those so-called victim groups angry about it so that they fight back. And what does that do? That just destabilizes everyone. It, it makes everyone forget that, above all things, we are actually all Americans first and humans first. Identity politics. It's to divide and then bring people into a voter base. <laughs> That's all it is. It's and about they, votes. They, yeah, they can, they, can, they can dress it up any way they want to. <laughs> but uh, that's what it ends up being. I, he has a couple other points, I think, in this uh, write-up as well. Yeah, he, asks, he basically begins every paragraph with a question. Here's a few more questions. Are students taught that race-based preferences, sometimes called affirmative action, were opposed by several civil rights leaders? And he quotes some of them who say, we don't want this practice of a businesses hiring black people because they're black people. Again, it should be about who is most qualified for the job. And if it is a black person or any other race, that's great. If it's not, well, then why would the business in its own best interests hire that person? It doesn't actually make sense. And at least a few decades ago, civil rights leaders understood that. They don't seem to now. Uh, he asks, do our left-wing educators during Black History Month Note that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's celebrated New Deal actually hurt blacks. According to Cato Institute, blacks lost as many as 500,000 jobs as a result of anti-competitive job-killing regulations of the New Deal. Uh, And yet, those are the same types of regulations being pushed today. Uh, And if, if you look at like the idea of increasing the minimum wage, who is that going to hurt? It's going to hurt the minimum wage workers who are going to be deemed expendable by their bosses. And that's going to hurt black people as well as any other race who's in that situation. Yeah, there's a lot that they don't get into there, and uh, you can read the rest of that. It's at townhall.com, what left-wing educators don't teach during Black History Month. Because, of course, it uh, no matter what's being uh, 
what what subject is coming up in some of these schools? It's it's an ideology that's being taught. It's not the truth of the matter or the whole picture. It's a specific ideology, and that ties right in with this a really fascinating write-up from thetrumpet.com from yesterday, Training Tomorrow's Social Justice Warriors by Joel Hilliker. He said, what should we teach our children, and what is the purpose of education? Some good questions. <clears throat> he said, you've heard the stories of university curricula replacing classic academic courses with fluffy pseudoscientific studies in gender, race, sexuality, multiculturalism, and so on. Even so, you may be shocked to learn how aggressively this anti-academic approach is infiltrating secondary and primary schools. And Mr. Hilliker just called that an anti-academic approach. And the reason for that is because what what these people resort to is calling anyone who disagrees with them a racist, a sexist, a bigot of some kind. That that shuts down all debate. It it stifles people and and prevents them from finding the best solutions to whatever the issue might be. You're not you're not developing your mind if the only thing you do is is resort to kindergarten insults as soon as someone disagrees with you. Yeah, he, he talks specifically about this public school system in Adena, Minnesota. It's the vanguard of this movement. It's located in an upscale suburb in Minneapolis. and It is one of the top school districts in the state. And then in 2013, it adopted a strategic plan called All for All. They should call it None for None, because <laughs> that's what it's doing. This changed the district's priority from teaching students things like literacy, math, and history to teaching racial equity. How much how much does that earn when you get a degree in racial equity? That's just it doesn't even make sense why they would get into something like that, especially with young kids. Young kids are apolitical. They don't think about politics at all ever. And now they're being indoctrinated from a young age to look at people differently based on their gender, based on the color of their skin. <laughs> it's going to take a whole lot of enjoyment out of these kids' youth. Yeah, kids just play usually with kids. You get a bunch of kindergartners together, I think they just play. And uh, and then sometimes they bicker, but they play. And they don't care about no. people's race. As much as these people in Minnesota would like to tell you that, you know, even the white kids are, are thinking that they're better than everyone else. That's no, no child, no person in general ever thinks, well, I'm better than someone because I was born this skin color. But that's what they're saying about all white people. I mean, and, and if anybody would stop and just think for a second, you'd say, well, hang on. This is ridiculous. He, he has a lot in this write-up here, Mr. Hilliker does. He quotes from a Weekly Standard article inside a public school social justice factory, <laughs> and uh, it, it just goes and talks about all the things that are going on. It says, as a result of their plan, the school system's obsession with white privilege now begins in kindergarten. At Adina's Highlands Elementary School, for example, K through second grade students participate in the Melanin Project. That's what gives you your pigmentation, by the way. <laughs> the children trace their hands, color them to reflect their skin tone. What if you're white? You don't have to color it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> what color is the paper? And place the cutouts on a poster reading, stop thinking your skin color is better than anyone else's. Everyone is special. I don't think anybody in kindergarten walked in there thinking that. No. I, there, I mean, I don't know. There could be one strange one here or there, but I don't think anybody thinks about that when they're five, six years old. Right. And as this article points out, too, uh, anyone else's, they leave out the apostrophe and else's. So this is, a, this is an educational institution that can't even use grammar and punctuation the right way. It's no wonder they don't even focus on doing those things well because these people are adults who don't even know these things. They're instead turning to useless topics like racial equity. They also, there's a 25-page curriculum document for bus drivers where they have to learn how to dismantle white privilege when they're driving the bus. Are you kidding me? I mean, this this is, we're going to look back on this 
in the future and say, this can't be real? Did they actually do this? And it talks about what the results are. Would you be surprised to know the academics are going through the floor <laughs> across the board, including no. including the, the black students in the school? It's dropping through the floor. They're, they're doing worse than they've ever done. How about judging by the fruits? Is this a good idea? It's terrible. Well, even just from the standpoint of student safety, if if the bus driver has to think that much about carrying on some kind of self-hating conversation while he's driving, I would think he might lose a little bit of focus on the road, which is probably his main responsibility. What what problem were they having in the district? Were they not picking up certain kids? They're just driving on by? I mean, come on. They open the door, they sit down, they move on. I mean, I rode the bus. I know how it works. (laughs) I never saw a bus driver refuse to pick a kid up. No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, just, if you did something like that, you wouldn't have a job. It's unbelievable. So we don't have time to get into more of it, but it's a really, really eye-opener. TheTrumpet.com, Training Tomorrow's Social Justice Warriors. At the end, he uh, mentions the book, uh, Booklet Education with Vision. And that's a great booklet to look at. And the the point there is brought out, one of the main points is that, look, we need to use the Bible as a foundation for our education. It's not everything in education, but it is the foundation. And you have to look at these social justice programs and say, can you found that on the Bible? Does that come from the Bible or not? Right. And it is a great point that we have to have uh, the spiritual knowledge foundation from the Bible, but also have useful physical knowledge. And the Bible just tells us which knowledge is most important to obtain. Uh, That helps us a lot. It it tells us directly (laughs) pretty much that racial equity is not worthwhile physical knowledge to obtain. It's not worth uh, getting into. There's other things to think about, including the fact, the obvious fact brought out in the Bible, if people look at it, that God's plan for all men and all women, all his creation, which he created, Uh, is to bring them into his family, to Mm -hmm. bring them into a God family. And there's, you know, they asked Christ when when he was on this earth, you know, they tried to trick him and talk about, like, who would marry who in the kingdom. And he said, well, you you don't marry in the kingdom of God. It's it's different. And it's the same thing. You're not going to be male or female in the kingdom of God. You don't have these racial differences. This this is just God likes, uh, he does like diversity. That's why he created the different races. And so if we get back to what the Bible teaches, how, how much time could be saved by not getting into all this sort of nonsense that you see just happening constantly and is brought out in this Trumpet.com article? Um, if you go back to the actual Bible and say, well, look, what, what is God's focus on? And what the focus is on is people living like him, thinking like him, acting like him. That's what the focus is on. Well, how much would it help to have that vision of the future and, and understand that whatever our race is, whatever our gender is, any of that, it's not the be-all, end-all of our life. It's not the pinnacle. It's just a temporary status that we have. It's something that makes us a little bit different, but in general, as human beings, we all have the same potential and we have the same future that awaits us. And for all eternity, we will not be thinking of what we were 70 billion years ago as humans. Like what race was I? That's, that's the main thing I identify as, as a spirit being who is now uh, physically colorless. Yeah. Christ's uh, face shines like the sun in its full strength. That's what the Bible says. That's going to be our color. Yeah, it does sun, sun color, strength color. It doesn't get into, <laughs> into any other details like uh, the uh, pigmentation of people's uh, skin. But anyway, there's there's a lot to uh, look at there. And, of course, that booklet, Education with Vision. And you also have to really get back to uh, 
America under attack as well. There's just a lot there to, to read and to study to kind of put the pieces together as to what's really going on. Make sure you listen for the Trumpet Daily Radio Show that's coming up in a bit in the Key of David program. Also, lots of great programming here today on uh, Trumpet Radio. That's all the time we have for today, uh, this Thursday edition of Trumpet Radio Live. We're glad you could spend some time with us. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.